welcome to episode 36 of the Massive Attack podcast. I'm Mitch, your host, and with me is Joe. Hi, Mitch. How are you going? I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, very good. All really? pumped for a big episode today. Yes. So it is the end of year extravaganza, our top list of stuff we like, trademark pending. Yes. We're going to do this slightly differently to how we did last year, whereas last year we just picked our top five things and it turned out that both of us had pretty much the same genre of stuff in our things so this year we're gonna make it a little bit more formal and we're gonna go through not necessarily the best but our favorites in the fields of gaming television movies podcasts and comics so as we like to do with our normal podcast we might just jump straight into gaming into gaming so i'll start with my my short list of games that i like so i finished loco cycle last night so i'm gonna throw that in there as a game that i like there's binary domain which I talked a few months ago. Darksiders 2, which I loved. The graphics, the the battle, the puzzle systems, everything was just... Really good game. No, Quite I, rewarding. I can't remember if we really delved that deeply into Darksiders 2 earlier in the year. I know you've covered both LocoCycle and Binary Domain, but mm. Darksiders is third-person action-adventure? Yep. Yeah, just trying yeah. It's been a while, but yes. The artwork or the, or the design work is done by Jade Madureira, who's a comic artist, who's yep. phenomenal, one of my favourite comic artists. And Darksiders 1, very similar in gameplay and everything like that. It's... You, you play Death in this one. The first one, you played War, the character of War. This one, you played Death. And you're going around and just... It's a big game and there's aspects that you do. You, you can weapon up and things like that. You can get different weapons. But there's fighting, obviously. So you fight and come up against bosses, end-level bosses. So it's a bit God of War in that way. Yeah. And then you've got puzzle elements in the game. So to get to an area, to get to a bit, you must unlock either a way to get there or puzzle boxes or different aspects of the game where it's okay. all there. It's really funky. So that that was very close. So this, that, and Far Cry 3, pretty much they were, they were pushing for number one, but my number one I'll save until you get to your number one, then we'll, we'll unleash. But I think I've talked about Far Cry 3, but yeah, yeah that's um, yep. that there, probably my short list for, that were close. Okay. Well, one game in particular that I've spent a lot of time on this year that I probably should mention, and that's WWE Supercard. I thought that would have been your number one. I, it's very close to being my number one, but I figured that last year I did the whole mobile gaming as my favourite game. This year it gets a mention. It's probably the game that I've been... So it was the last year Candy Crush. Yeah. yeah. It's probably the game I've been sucked into the most fairly recently, although there has just been an update where they've introduced a new class level of cards called the Survivor card, and they've kind of nerfed the King of the Ring a little bit, where you don't get such good rewards now in, in King of the Ring, which you previously did. And I haven't actually spent any money again since, since the last time we talked. So really? Before last, yes. Before really? Last. Can't remember. When did we record? Maybe I have, but anyway, <laughs> I, I was looking at the purchasing of cards, and now that they've introduced this new survivor level card, you can actually go and purchase one survivor level card, random, no one in particular. Guess mm. how much you'd pay for it? Ninety-nine dollars. Pretty close. Forty-two dollars in real wow. money just for one card. But what so do you get out of it? I don't know. You don't win anything with this game. And I- you can see that there are people that have actually spent the money and they've bought themselves like epics and legendaries. But they've only got this one epic card, so the rest of their deck is still like not big enough to beat other people. But anyway, so getting away from WWE Supercard, I also probably should mention Minecraft because I did spend a bit of time playing that this year. But then obviously my Asperger's isn't quite as bad 
with some other people because I managed to dig myself out of Minecraft, no pun intended. It, it sort of sucked me in for a little while, but then, yeah, pretty much as quickly as I got into it, I managed to get out of it. But other games that I've finished this year that I think probably should have got a mention, I had a lot of fun with Diablo 3 earlier in the year to the point where I've actually done three out of four playthroughs of Diablo 3. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it's one of those games where I've played all of it as co-op with my wife, which doesn't happen very often, I think. Earlier in the year, we were very much into Diablo, and then just as we were getting halfway through our fourth playthrough, we sort of fell off the bandwagon a little bit and we haven't gone back and finished that fourth playthrough mainly because it's just that little bit more difficult but so I just kind of felt that the rewards weren't as good as the extra effort to be putting in to be doing the fourth playthrough so I think that's probably why we fell off one of the other games that I have finished this year that I also should mention as being an honourable mention was probably Deadlight I really liked that yeah, it was Neil Diamond song is it? I don't no, know I'm, I'm not the uh, Neil Diamond fan that you are I'm uh, Deadlight and I'm proud Good lord. And Deadlight was the 1990s zombie infected Seattle game that I played earlier in the year. Side-scroller sort of? Yeah, side-scroller sort of silhouetted action survival sort of game. And I enjoyed that mainly for the fact that I actually completed it in two days. I started on a Friday night and played like half of it and then the Saturday night I can finish it. And yeah, I'd won and done in probably about two, three hour sessions. But yeah, they're they're my honourable mentions. It's interesting, though, when when we went through the idea of what games we've played this year, I didn't think I'd actually finished that many games. But going back over like my achievement list and stuff like that, there was actually a lot more games that I played this year than I, than I thought I had. Yeah, me too, because I looked at my list and it's like, well, I also had Peggle 2 in there, which was pretty good. I played Pool Nation, Flashback, Prey... Wolf Amongst Us, Disney Affinity, Gears Award Judgment, and Bulletstorm. But yeah, out of the list. Yeah, again, like Peggle 2, for me, was fun while I was playing it, but I haven't felt the urge at all to go back to it since we finished playing. Nope. And again, with Pool Nation, I haven't felt the urge to, to finish it, or to go back and play it. I've run the 8-ball the tournament, but I haven't gone back and done any of the 9-ball tournaments. But yeah. So, Mitch, that probably leads us to... What's My your, number one, number which one, your should be pretty game? predictable. You should probably guess it. Disney Infinity. No, Spellfall. Oh, okay. Which I've been... <laughs> <laughs> on my phone, which is the same, came back to last year. It's probably all the same criteria as last year. It was Candy Crush. And it's purely because time spent on it. And I definitely play it more than anything else. And it's rewarding in that way. Yeah. But, like, I'm, I don't miss Candy Crush. Like, I got rid of it in March and I haven't really looked back. You still playing? Yeah. Yeah. So, where are you up to now? I, I finished uh, at like 220 or something. I think I'm about 440 something. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Spellfall, I've talked about on the on the podcast, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's rewarding that it's a simple game, but then it gets harder. And you you have to strategize that little bit more and you can equip yourself better to fight and then the problem is you have areas so you've got 20 wins you need to clear an area and then you start getting rent from that area essentially so you just collect money from that area every couple of hours and that's good but what happens is you move forward and claim the next area next area but every now and then the game beats an ass and it, it goes and it gets taken back from you again. So you've got to go reclaim it again. You've got to go defend your territories. Pretty much. And it sort of gets harder. Now, I haven't done the update on the game because I was reading a few feedback on it and people were getting a bit shitty because they made it really hard. So I'm not doing the update at the moment because I don't want it to be harder than it is. But it's kind of good because if you do progress, like the your health is just say, mine's about 40,000 at the moment, but my bosses or the people I'm fighting against are getting like 80,000 and 120,000 health. Oh, okay. And the thing is you have about five moves to their one. So they do a lot of damage to you, but you've got potential to do a lot of them with four moves. So you can set up a bunch to do a lot of damage or set yourself up to get your health back and things like that. You've got to be conniving. With that, you've got to set yourself up. And it's 
rewarding in that way. So it's almost good to go back and reclaim a territory because it's not as hard. Therefore, you can build up your level to okay. go out against these newer bosses. So it's not too bad. But you, I do like a game progressing forward. I don't want to go back to go forward in that yeah. way. Yeah, you're never a big fan of the grind. Or even in the loot sort of grinds in Borderlands, you, you did a lot of it, but I don't think you really liked it. Uh, yeah, Borderlands is the exception where I, I didn't mind it. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the grind. Yes. Yeah. So you're number one. Drum well, roll. You did mention it just before, but my number one for the year would probably have my to be... My first pony. No. No. It would have to be Wolf Among Us. Oh, okay. It was another game that I managed to finish very quickly, so in the space of about a week. Not that it was a long game, but it was just an engrossing game that made me want to keep going back to it. And just, I don't know what it was about it. The The fact that I've never read Fables kind of surprised me that I got into the story quite as much as I did, but I really liked the story. I liked the simplicity of it. Like, it, it was it was good in a way that it remembered your choices and kind of swayed the story based on your choices, but it was just a straightforward storytelling game, which was which was probably what I needed for a bit of a break from, like, the shooters and driving games that I had been playing leading up to it. So, yes. And I just noticed on Xbox yesterday when they've got the some of the sales that are on at the moment that the first chapter of Wolf Among Us is free again. So I don't know if it will be by the time this episode posts, but if it is, I suggest go and jump on it. It's Highly not, recommended. It's not in my list, only because I haven't finished it yet. Yep. So I can't say where it goes. I'm only sort of partway into the first chapter so it's like all right i'll um, i'll get to it eventually but um i can't say if it's i couldn't put it in my list based on the short amount of time i played yeah but there, w- there was other games that i did consider putting in the list that i hadn't finished such as saints row 3 i did get quite a bit of playtime out of that this year but the fact that again it started off really well and got a bit too samey at the end kind of made me think that it it wasn't worth putting on the list mm-hmm Yes, that was uh, quite a bit of gaming that I didn't realise that I had been playing quite as much as I had this year. Yeah, so, well, if you take Spellfall away, Far Cry 3 would probably be my game of the year, just purely for... I wanted to play it quickly, get it out of the way, and I was never going to do any side missions. I was just going to barrel through and finish this thing. And by the end, I just wanted more. So it it was a far more rewarding game than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So that was great. And now you have Far Cry 4 to delve into. I do. It was a birthday present from my son. I don't know how he got the money together, but I'm a bit worried. But I I appreciate appreciate the gift. Hope he wasn't stealing them. Maybe. Uh -uh. As soon as they're old enough to, like, sit up in their pram, they can kind of tuck things underneath their blankets in the shops. Yeah, you got the right one, thank God. Well, it's all right then. Yeah. Yes. All right, well, that was gaming for the year. Let's move on to TV. And there has been quite a few stuff that we've enjoyed this year, old and new stuff. It's sort of hard. I was trying to come up with a top five because I was getting confused and it was hard because there's a lot of shows I watch, but what I would consider my favourites and that. So I watch Arrow, I watch Flash, I watch Constantine, I watch Gotham, I watch Game of Thrones, I watch all these shows. And they're fine. They're good. But I wouldn't put them in top five. I don't think. I don't know. Yeah. Game of Thrones is still bloody good, don't get me wrong. But I was trying to think what is exceptional. And it is exceptional. But it's like, what's what will I pick and shortlist wise it's a lot of sort of not obscure but it's sort of like comedy like I really got into the John Olivers this week this week last week tonight last week tonight that was really good Mad as Hell the Sean McAuliffe show iView I love I'm loving iView so I'm watching Mad as Hell was great I'm really getting into Media Watch on the ABC (laughs) iView as well so it's sort of like what I'm going out of my way to watch so that was in there and Snuffbox which we mentioned last week is (laughs) only because it's so fresh absurd and fresh. Yes. But it's sort of like, I mean, it's quite funny because, I mean, I, I may be stealing some thunder from you, but yeah, whether it's in your list, but, you know, if it was six months down the line, will Snuffbox be still on the list? Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. But at the moment, it's it's fresh enough, so that's cool. 
but yeah, that's that's my short list. All right. Well, you mentioned Snuffbox. I was going to put it on the list purely for the fact that we watched that one episode together just before we recorded last month, and then for the rest of that week, I managed to watch all the other six episodes in the series. And for a show that was made in 2006, it's still right on the money as far as like comedy goes. I, I was going to put it on my list, but I, I didn't. You mentioned Game of Thrones, and that is on my short list this year, mainly because of one particular episode of this season. And I am going to go slightly spoilery here. So if you haven't seen Game of Thrones this season, maybe jump Fast forward, forward a, a couple of minutes. But episode eight, The Mountain and the Viper, yep. was probably my favourite of that season and quite possibly my favourite single episode of a TV series this year. The rest of the series kind of waned a little bit, but just that one oh, episode... Oh, you had The Wedding, I suppose. That was pretty good too. It's just been a while since I watched it, so I forgot. But yeah, there was... Like yeah, The Purple Wedding moments. was a yeah. great episode. And Peter Dinklage just came into his own this year on Game of Thrones and he commanded that series this year but yeah that one episode where his champion was fighting against the mountain and they had that just that one fight we're both big wrestling fans and these days i'm a bit jaded with my wrestling and it takes me a little while to to get a pop out of wrestling but i got big pops for that episode of game of thrones actually and, that, and there was also Tyrion did his bit at the end actually there's some really good moments there was some really good moments yeah. I, I think if you went back and rewatched it you would probably and, and, uh, um the hound he had a moment there were some great lines from the hound what was that yes. line about the chicken yeah. Yeah. but anyway but yes game of thrones is definitely up there for me one of the other things that i really did enjoy and i've only just started watching it is american horror story freak show i'm now i think we're eight episodes into this current season still like it still love it and i'm finding that you know it's one of those things that as soon as i get it i want to watch it and i i have to go back to one of my all-time favorites and mention tosh.0 okay the new season just they're showing at the moment on fox cell some of the stuff that he's been doing in this new season the best bit was there was swearing in that first episode yeah they didn't bleep anything and it was hilarious and then they've gone back to bleeping again so i don't know what happened there well just that scene in the elevator in that last episode we watched last week that almost pushed it to the the number one spot but it didn't it still gets rated as an honorable mention so yeah that's a, a a few things that I really enjoyed this year, but we'll jump back to you and talk about what your number one television is. My number one, and it's it's more paying off for longevity, but I'm going to say How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Because it finished. Like, so it was something we watched, we caught up like on three seasons together in one go when my son was born. So we were sort of churning through it when he was breastfeeding and those sort of things. So it was sort of like we just powered through the last three seasons and it never really waned. It never had a bad season, really. There was a, there was a constant level of quality to it and that last season just blew me away in the fact that it was set over a three-day period yep. there were flashbacks involved which the show was full of but it was telling a greater story over a three-day period and i was like, well that's almost a mini series it's not just a collection of episodes they've actually structured this and pulled it together and it was a fair effort so i just want to reward their eight years effort yep. and particularly the last season and so for me i'm going to give that my favorite for the year okay well again that's something that i've i've never really sat down and watched a whole episode of so it's probably a bit hard for me now to go back and watch eight years worth of televisions what are we 26 episodes a season something like that yeah yeah it's a lot of time to dedicate to it isn't it yes but yes all right my number one and it's something that again i caught up on all of the series in this year thomas the tank no but i have watched quite a lot of thomas the tank <laughs> thanks to the fact that i have uh, two children that love trains but now i my number one this year has got to be sherlock uh -huh. i was very reluctant to get into sherlock and when you don't the, like fun yeah, yeah. 
And I didn't think I would like the modern take of the classic, but the more I watched of it, the more I really enjoyed it. And yeah, the new season came out, was it January, February time this year? And I decided that because my wife wanted to watch it, she thought we should watch it together. So I went back and watched the previous two series, which are only three episodes per season. But we watched, again, we watched all of it in quite quick succession. But the latest series that was this year's series and the end of the previous series I felt all ran in together again slightly spoilery here with the fact that they had Sherlock's supposed death and just the the fan ideas of of what Sherlock's death was or how he faked his death and that sort of stuff but the again speaking of wedding episodes the wedding episode for Watson was probably my favourite of the the series the whole lot or this Uh, series well the whole lot really yeah I just like the whole way that it was put together the fact that Sherlock has has absolutely no people skills but yet he was the best man at the wedding and he had to try and do the like the the best man's speech and just kind of came across like not a very likeable person as he was doing this speech but then as it unfolded it then was the well, mystery written. from there. It's, now I've been watching Sherlock as it happened, so yep. well, I, I missed it first time around. So I watched season one just before season two started. So and season one I think is great. Season two had the Hand of the Baskerville episode, which was a bit shit. Yeah, it was probably the weakest of them all. And then this season was almost up its own ass. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit it, critical. It was but a it, it's its own show now. As a, yeah. the first season, they were like, "This is classic Sherlock Holmes stories told in it with a modern take." Yep. They did that second one again, and they finished with Reichenbach Falls and all that sort of stuff. But by the third one, it's like, no, this is the fan service to Sherlock, the modern TV show fans, fans, not Sherlock Holmes fans, yep. the modern show fans. So I, I did love the take on how he survived the fall. Like, we still don't know. That yep. was a fun bit where they screwed with you by saying, all right, it this is how it's happened. Could it could have been, been this. Yeah. Like, and they sort of acknowledged the shippers out there who did the relationship between Holmes and Watson. They were going to kiss and all this sort of crap. Yep. And it's just like, you're a little too in-house here. And this is... Stephen Moffat, who wrote this, it's he's also writing Doctor Who, and yep. Doctor Who suffered, I think, last season because he's concentrating on Sherlock. Where I think this season, out of the three, was probably the weakest, except for that one episode. Yeah, but Doctor Who was really good this season, so I'm not sure where yeah. he's at on that. And I mean, I'm a huge Holmes fan because one of my other podcasts I did to Sherlock, we did a Sherlock Holmes episode, and I yep. sort of did the research and became a massive fan of Sherlock Holmes to the point where I love Elementary not because the stories are great but I do like the characterization of Holmes from Johnny Lee Miller yep. and all that it's still good and the fact that it's only three episodes a season it's like it's easy to get into it's not like it's yeah, exactly you know overstaying its welcome or anything and I think there's another either, there's a special isn't there there's not a whole season coming but there's uh, a- an image came out the other day with them in their in Victorian sort of attire yeah, and I'm not sure what it's for. Hmm. This is a one-off. I'm- but Cumberbatch is quite busy with movies, and was it possibly Doctor Strange or something? Possible. They've, they've named I, him I, I, I can't remember now. There's so many rumors and facts. There's so much talk. Exactly. I'm not sure what's what. But speaking of movies, why don't we jump into movies? We shall. So why don't you go first with your? All right. Well, I'll jump in. I haven't really had a lot of chance to go to the movies this year, but majority of the movies that I've seen at the cinema, barring. How to Train Your Dragon 2, which I was a little bit disappointed with, and Divergent, which I was very disappointed with. I've actually enjoyed most of my trips to the cinema. So a couple of the standouts for me this year would have been X-Men Days of Future Past, mainly for that just that scene with Quicksilver yes. and the slowing down time and the time in the bottle song. I thought that was probably my favourite bit of the whole movie. And, and just 
Hugh Jackman getting to be you know, 70s Wolverine with his big sideys and his paisley shirts. I thought that was really good. I quite enjoyed of movies that we've watched for the podcast. I really enjoyed Moon yep. and it's something that it's just sort of stuck with me and I think about it. certain scenes from Moon like the Walking on Sunshine bit. Every time I hear that song now it just makes me think of that bit from Moon. So that would definitely deserves an honourable mention. I was quite taken by the Lego movie earlier in the year but the fact that I've now probably seen the Lego movie about 20 times because my (laughs) 7 year old just loves the Lego movie makes it a little bit grating after a little while but just the whole idea that unlike previous Lego movies where it's just like a bit of computer animation static backgrounds the Lego movie is done as if it's all stop motion Lego even though it's all computer and just the fact that there is just so many levels into it like the kids like it there's bits for the adults the characters were really well fleshed out and just the story I really enjoyed in the Lego movie as well and another movie that I've just recently seen that probably should get an honourable mention would be Edge of Tomorrow we talked about it probably about three weeks ago uh, sorry three episodes ago when when I saw it and again not too many spoilers because it is still on Foxtel at the moment but yeah I, I really enjoyed the freshness I guess of Edge of Tomorrow like a lot of it is similar to other movies but I just felt that it was done with a little bit of a twist that deserves a spot in my list so mm. yeah they're, they're my honourable mentions what about well, you Mitch? I, I agree my short list would be when we're talking cinemas Moon was great but I didn't actually count that because <laughs> it wasn't this year so I'm trying to just, I had to narrow it somehow X-Men Days of Future Past Lego Movie Edge of Tomorrow all got mentioned in mine and then when it came to my favourite for the year I'm assuming if I go one way, it's going to be the same as you, so I will do that. (laughs) So um, I'm going to say Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was my close to number one, as far as just... It was an amazing film. Like, special effects, you could not pick it. Like, the the special effects were amazing as far as making the apes what they do, and the acting by Andy Serkis and all the other guys doing the mocap. It was a phenomenal movie. Really recommend it. Much better than the first one, and the first one I thought was great. This one was really, 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 really good. But yes, so I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be the same on movie of the year. Uh, another one that was, could have been in there was Captain America 2. That was pretty close. That was a pretty good year this year for movies. Yeah. Not a lot of good ones, but the ones that were good were really, really good. But number one for me would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go Hercules. No, <laughs> no, I did go Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy as well. I, I think probably the fact that it just came out of nowhere. When they announced that they were making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, people like me that don't have a huge sort of superhero comic book knowledge. Yeah, Yeah, I I didn't really know Guardians of the Galaxy. The only thing I knew was Rocket Raccoons in Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and I knew he was a Marvel character. I didn't know a lot about the rest of the characters, but it was just such a fun romp. As soon as it started, I was like, other than that little heavy bit at the start, as soon as they start with, like, grown-up Star-Lord, I just had a smile on my face through the whole movie, and it just didn't go away. And that's the thing, like, I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is probably a better film, technically, but I had so much more fun with Guardians of the Galaxy, so it... I'm going to buy one on Blu-ray, one I'm not. So I was like, well, that's what Guardians is going to get it for me. But yeah, like I said, Captain America should have been in my list, but that would be up close there too, because that yep. was such a, a really good movie. Like, it, so much better than they should be. It's like Guardians is so much better than it should be. Yep. A movie with a raccoon and, and, and Batista, for God's sake. <laughs> but as we mentioned when we talked about it earlier in the year, Batista, just his comic timing, the fact that he was so deadpan and dry with his delivery, really made that character. Oh. He just had the build, he had just the sort of... A presence about the it. The presence, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so yes. Cool. I really enjoyed that. 
All right, well, let's take it on to comics. Well, yes, we've talked about a movie based on a comic, so it's probably a good time to jump into comics themselves. Okay. okay. Yep. You probably have quite more of a list of comics than I do this year. I, it was hard. I read a lot of comics in the same way I watch a lot of TV, but it's like, what do I talk about? What is the thing that I need to share with you as my shortlist? That was really hard. Because I read things like Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers is really good at the moment, but I can't recommend that to people because it's so in-house and sort of full-on that it's sort of like, oh, just jump into this, it's fun. It's, it's not. It's 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 on a cosmic level. It's crazy talk. There's infighting amongst all the heroes. It's just sort of like, it's not a penetrable story to jump into right now. And it's sort of like, I can't recommend it. It's a, it's a rewarding read, but it's like jumping into Lost like season three or something like that. You know, mm. it's just a bit too not friendly in that way. I'm reading Deadpool, which is fun. I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of stuff. Injustice is still good, which I probably talked about. It was probably my favorite last year. Still good, but I'm just finding with everything else going on at the moment, I'm not reading as much digitally. I only looked at Comixology for the first time in five weeks last week so I'm sort of drifting away just from time basis not from anything else so my short list of just for quality I'll have to say Private Eye which is potentially a free download if you want it's from the website so if you look up panelsyndicate.com you can go there and you can download the comic in PDF CBR CBZ files and you can read it on your computer or on your device Okay. And you pay what you think it's worth. So you can do it for free if you want. And it's written by Brian K. Vaughan, who wrote Saga, who's also on my list. And I forget the name of the artist. And it's set in the future where basically the cloud happened. It exploded. So all the world's secrets were out there for everyone to see. So essentially you are talking 40 years past this event. So there is no more privacy essentially. Like the cloud happened so that's the thing. So you have reporters now which are like private eyes. And the cops are like, it's just a strange future that you live in where people wear holographic masks to hide their identities. And it's just hard to explain. And I'm doing a very bad job, but it's fucking, it's so fucking good. It's a detective story and it's just awesome. But like I said, go to the Panel Syndicate website and download the first issue for free and you can test it for yourself. Do yourself a favour as Molly used to say. Yeah, I recommend that. It's really, really good. Saga, which with Brian K. Vaughan again, still, still good. Maybe not as, I'm not as excited as I was first two trades because... It's just the same quality, yep. and it's three yeah, years I, in now. So. I know, I've kind of dropped off Saga. When when it first came out, I was very excited for it, but as it went on, I found myself not reading it quite as quickly. It's The problem is it's, the level is good. It's yep. still good, but it's just more of the same, as opposed to you can't get higher and higher every time. So there was that, Moon Knight. It was really, really good. It was it's one the first trade of the current series of Moon Knight. Moon Knight's a Marvel character, essentially a white Batman. When I say white, not in skin colour, white as in his outfit. And he's been around since I think the seventies, if not early eighties. And he's he's a weird character that people he seems popular and they keep trying to sell him as a character. And yep. he seems to last about, I don't know, year and a half each time. And then sales drop and then someone will reboot him a couple of years later and they'll just be different versions. In the last couple of years, there's been that many different takes on him by big name creators too. Where, and the current take, Warren Ellis did six issues and they were done in one single issue stories about the Moon Knight character. And they you can read them without knowing anything else about him. Just read these single issue stories. And if you're familiar with Warren Ellis's work, it's very similar to what he did with the book called Global Frequency, which I can recommend. And they were all sort of done in one story. And it just, they're just kind of cool. It's just sort of an idea, and you'll explore that idea in this one issue of a superhero comic, which fits in the Marvel U, but doesn't really matter if it does. Okay. So that I, I love. And in the same tone in that Marvel universe, but sort of outside of the big cosmic storyline, is Hawkeye, which I've talked about before on the show. It's still a fantastic book and coming to an end soon. So they're probably my... 
also rounds yep. to this point, and yeah, I'll let you talk for a bit. Okay, well, I've probably mentioned on the show before that I'm not much of a superhero comic person. I'm more of a, in indie comic, you could probably say, but a couple that have really stood out to me this year as far as as what I've been reading quite regularly. I've been a big fan of David Lapham's Stray Bullets Killers. Now, the Stray Bullets series was something that started, I think it was probably back in the 80s, early Mm -hmm. 90s, and they're sort of that sort of gritty, black and white, almost a crime sort of comic. But the Stray Bullets this season, which has just come up to an end of of the arc that they've been doing with the Stray Bullets Killers series was sort of set around a group of people from the sort of late 70s up to the mid 80s in Baltimore and how their all lives are sort of all linked in with crimes and mobsters and stuff like that and just the the gritty realism of what really drew me into it like I didn't know a lot about the previous series I hadn't read any of the other Stray Bullets but I heard a couple of reviews of this new one and thought yeah that sounds kind of cool maybe I'll, I'll give that a try and yeah I like it and I like the fact that they're all intertwined without being too intertwined but then as you get later in the series you kind of realize how how intertwined it all really is and i was a little bit disheartened to realize that when we got to issue eight that was the end of the run because i never read the editor's notes and the letters page at the back but i'm sure they've been telling us that this is a a limited run arc but yeah we got to the end of issue eight and i was like thanks these are the characters and this is where we're going to leave it until january when we start up a new arc so yeah that was that was fun i've also really enjoyed the wicked and divine by kieran gillen and Jamie McKelvey, who previously did the Phonogram series. And this is probably closer to the whole superheroes almost, is the fact that they've got 12 gods that have come down to Earth and just the interactions between them. It just looks so good, this comic. Like, I'm reading it digitally. But it's a beautiful just, book. Yeah, the, the way it's drawn, the, the colouring, everything about it, just it's very vivid and quite an interesting storyline. I know you've been reading it as well, but I won't jump in there just in case that is your number one. No, it's no, not. no, that's not my number no. one. That's fine. But yeah, I've I really enjoyed that. And again, we're probably what about six or seven issues into that this year, I think. Anyway, but yeah, I've I've really been enjoying that as well. And I guess we'll jump back to you for your number one. Oh, I'm just I should have done this when I made my list. Actually, you what I'm reading, I'm just looking at my digital copy. Uh, I read a book called Alter, which was crazy bugfuck weird. But what there's actually a lot more books here that I should have mentioned earlier Little well, Nemo that, that's true and I should have mentioned the Andre the Giant book because we did rave about that last mm. month as well yeah um, Little Nemo it's only two two issues in I talked about Lock and Key I think last year yep same artist from that Gabriel Rodriguez amazing stuff like it, it's, it's it's a good if you've got young kids you can read it with them it's not violent it's not sexual it's not anything and Little Nemo is one of the earliest comic books this is a new take on that and, okay um, beautiful absolutely beautiful book it's Marvel I just want to comment on that it's about a Pakistani Muslim superhero in the Marvel Universe which is fun like she's a girl who idolizes superheroes and ends up getting superhero powers superhero powers and she's yeah she's a fan of miss or mrs oh what is she captain marvel now but she was miss marvel at a point and when she got her powers she sort of wished them upon herself so she ended up getting okay. a miss marvel outfit but she writes fanfic and all this sort of stuff so she's a fangirl who becomes a hero and um really it's it's very good silver surfer i'm surprised i didn't think of this this is probably one of my top books actually this okay. is this is close I should have said no. I would, I'm, I'm going to say it's my number one. I'm getting okay. it early. Um, All right. I'm going to mention another one, but no, Silver Surfer. I'm thinking no, that is it's fucking fun. If you like Doctor Who, 
you'll love Silver Surfer. Dan Slott is a very funny writer. He's a very good writer. He's been writing Spider-Man for years, but he's written some great stuff in the past. Spider-Man Human Torch is an awesome read if you can get track it down. But yeah, Silver Surfer is his tribute to Doctor Who, basically. Okay. So you've got the Silver Surfer character, who's a very literal sort of hero. He's, he's not emotionless or anything, but, you know, he can sort of play it a bit cold. I suppose. And what he did was a girl got connected to him. He didn't know. So she got abducted by aliens and used as bait, essentially, to f- to get the surfer to do something, saying, you have to go do this mission or we'll kill your friend or whatever. And he go, I have no idea who she is. But they, but they were sort of connected. So he ended up saving it anyway and saving her and they became sort of friends and she's quirky and fun and they go on these adventures and led to them basically travelling through space. Not quite time, so it's not Doctor Who that way, but yeah, they're travelling through space, having crazy adventures and it's written by Dan Slott and artwork by Mike Elrod who's pop artist in a lot of ways and it's fantastic so I can't recommend that enough if you like Doctor Who give it a go Okay. on the same sort of basis She-Hulk was actually really good this year but I found out um, I think next issue is the last issue because all good books don't last very long because people don't buy them yep. but it's a sort of a comedy book again I love the I love a lot of the books where they take place in the shared universe or Marvel and DC but they're just sort of on the periphery it's sort of like them having a real life like, that's why Hawkeye is so good yeah She-Hulk's the same sort of thing It's her running a law business You know, because she's a lawyer And it just goes off Her running that business And doing what she does As a... the lawyer side of her as a six foot six giant green strong thing but <laughs> it's great but yeah like I said it's two trades and it's probably worth it if you want to buy check it out because it's worth the it's easy to catch up on these it's not like X-Men or whatever you've got to jump in and go where do I start where do I end yep. the, the fact that they are so good and they're short easy get in there so that would be my short list what was going to be number one would be Hip Hop Family Tree which is a book I read yep. recently which I think we're going to go into more detail next year yeah, so yeah. I won't talk too much about it yep. but that would that was going to be my number one until I got reminded by Silver Surfer. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I did enjoy Hip Hop Family Tree when I read that as well. And yeah, as you said, we are going to delve into that a little bit further once a few more issues come out and we can uh, work out a little bit more of a storyline of where we sit because the first issue that we've read started from the early 70s up until 79. 79 and it's very much about the New York style of hip-hop. So, yes, interesting to jump into that a bit further as more issues come out. Now, my number one comic this year was a comic called Minimum Wage, which is a, a very indie comic. It's written and drawn by a guy called Bob Fingerman, and, again, he was a bit of a 90s indie comic darling when the original run of Minimum Wage came out, and it's about a struggling artist living in New York City and semi-autobiographical, and, yeah, in the original run of Minimum Wage, he falls in love with a girl and they get married and the issues that have picked up this year after quite a bit of a break it's now they're divorced and it's him back on the dating scene but you don't really find out exactly why they broke up there's sort of little hints of it thrown in along the way but it's him just getting back on the horse and trying out internet dating and seeing where he stands now as far as how his career's panning out and and where he wants to be and again it was one of those things that I really got into and we got up to about issue six I think it was and then they said all right we're going to have a six month layoff and we'll be back in January 2015 so it got me all excited to read it and then well played Fingerman yes but then just after that they did release what they called maximum minimum wage where they put all of the original series in one trade uh, as well as a bunch of his like sketches and other backstory stuff so yeah, I went back and read that again and, and worked out where they all came from. But yes, very, very indie, very much sort of that sort of struggling artist. Again, black and white, not much realism to it. It's just a gritty story that I kind of get into with my comics. Yeah. 
So yes, that was that was comics. Excellent. And finally, is podcasts. Yeah, we love our podcasts. We do them, obviously. So we <laughs> some of us more than others. Yes. <laughs> So I think we've talked about it before. It, it probably is the thing I do most more than anything. I don't read as much as I yep. don't play games or watch TV or watch movies. Mind you, the list we're putting out, we do a lot of these things. Yeah. We both say that at work, we do jobs that can let us listen to podcasts while yep. we're there. So we do get quite a bit listened to during the week and we compare notes generally. If you listen to this one, <laughs> yeah, my short list for what I do, I list, there's quite a lot of podcasts that I listen to. And i got to say, I really enjoyed Fat Man on Batman. I really got into that, yep. which is... Kevin Smith just basically talking about his love of Batman. And being Kevin Smith, he's got access to some really good guests like Jim Lee or Capullo as far as comic artists go or Adam West himself and people like that. So it, it's it's good and his passion is just infectious. Yep. I'm so almost anti-Batman just because I'm a Superman fan and Batman's getting so much... <laughs> you know he's so cool at the moment he could take Superman down and just Superman's been pushed to the side so for me I'm offended by that but you know, Kevin makes it cool yeah I've just discovered Gilbert Godfrey's podcast so I'm sort of working my way through that and that would be very close to being number one but I thought no it's too new yeah if it was 12 months down and I'm still feeling this way it would still be number one but well Gilbert does get a mention on my honourable mention so yeah. yeah if you don't know who Gilbert Godfrey is he's I think I was first aware of him in Ford Fairlane the movie Ford Fairlane yeah. Where he's sort of like looking for Zuzu pedals. She's my sister. She's my daughter. He sort of sounds like a filthy Stan Lee. Yeah. And he, he's a shock comic in a way. Yeah, you can say he's a shock comic. He's just... He's very old school, though, which is what gets me. And the fact that the podcast is him interviewing people that he's a fan of or, or his of. contemporary. But most of the stuff that they talk about is old school Hollywood that I don't have a great knowledge of, but just listening to the way he describes things is just very entertaining. And some of the guests that he's had on so far include, as you said, Billy West, Billy Adam, West, West. Adam West. All the West. He had a, a really good John interview. West. Did he have John no. West? He rejected that one. <laughs> yeah. He had a really good interview with Roger Corman, the B-grade director that spawned, well, B-movie director, I should say, that helps spurn the career of many of Hollywood's greats these days. James Cameron, um, Scorsese. Scorsese, yeah. I yeah. thought that was a really good issue uh, episode. I thought the Bob Saget interview that he did was really good. Yes, but, that was wrong. A lot of very wrong. wrong. No, if you don't know Gilbert Gottfried, when you first listen to him, his voice is very grating. But once you get over that, just his delivery and everything about the way he does it, just yeah, it's very entertaining. Yeah, because I find like at the start, you know, podcasts are fun because like us. We, we're just fans who like talking about things but the more professional podcast you could sort of take a negative side to that it's like they're professional they've got studios they've got this but they also have access to these guests exactly and that's the best thing and it's not watching Letterman or something where there's, the guest is on a promoter show and they've got seven minutes or whatever to shill what they have to do and all pre-prepared packages. This is however long it takes, an hour with, or whatever yep. it is, and they can say what they want, and there's no... Advertising is a bit annoying in podcasts nowadays, but you can easily skip through it, so it's no big deal. But you've got access to these guests who can tell their story that they want to tell, and it's an hour long. That's Like, we love Nerdist. One of the reasons we're in podcasting is because of Nerdist, yet it's been going on so long now, and it, it's become so popular that it, it's all just ads. Yeah, like, um, the people that are guests on there are 
uh, people shilling their latest movie book or whatever. And I found that a lot with a lot of the stuff that's the podcast one podcasts that if you listen to a lot of them, you'll see the same guest turns up sort of this week's episode is, you know, guest X and he's kind of doing the rounds. He'll do Nerdist, then you'll see him on like Corolla or or you hear him on Corolla and then he'll be on, you know, Mark Maron's podcast. And it's like, yeah, he's obviously got a new new CD coming out or whatever to shill. Yeah. But yeah, the the fact that you can get guys like Gilbert that just get his friends, as we said, or people that he is a big fan of and he can use his Hollywood clout to get them into the studio and sit down and have a chat. Last year, we liked the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, which I wouldn't put in my shortlist this year. I still listen to it. Yeah. But I found myself skipping episodes because he's got two episodes a week now and I just find if I get a bit behind on the podcast, a lot of them disappear. Yeah. Like, I just get rid of them and say, I'm not going to listen to that because, again, like you're saying, the guests were sort of doubling up with everyone else and they're all shilling something. Yeah. Like, if it's a guest I want to listen to, guaranteed, I'll listen to it. But there's sort of the episodes where he's just sort of answering feedback from fans and it's like, well, I can skip that because yeah, exactly. the fans seem to ask the same questions every fucking Yeah, it's like the fans time. themselves don't listen to every episode and it's like, yeah, I've already asked this question. So, it's still a good show still it is what it is but it hasn't changed really in the in the 12 months yeah yeah so it's so like that's still there retroist as a podcast i may have talked about it last year but it's it's kind of dull like the guy who does it but he's obviously around my age and there's this guy who has a passionate thing about his youth so each episode is like i'm gonna talk about this movie i saw the fog by john carpenter and he sort of paints a picture of where he first saw it and how and then he'll talk about the movie and the history of it and the reaction and it's or, or it could be about an old computer game that he played when he used to go to the you know the local store and there was a pinball that he'd play and he'd talk about that and the history and stuff so it's it, just the passion i get and it's just really cool and he, like TV shows or movies it's actually opened my eyes to things that I didn't know or hadn't seen it's like oh yeah I'll track that down so I, I dig that sort of single focus on one thing but it's so broad what he likes so it's I, I really dig that so that's sort of in my list Superman Home Homepage Podcast which obviously I'm a Superman fan as I mentioned before this is the official podcast to the website and at the moment I mean it's just all the Superman news so they talk about the latest comics that have come out any news about TV shows or movies and this and that so obviously there's a lot of talk and I keep saying obviously so but this time it's actually appropriate obviously there's a lot of talk about the new Superman Batman movie so every episode there's pretty much the latest to that I don't okay. know it's I, I didn't listen to it before that movie was sort of around so I don't know what they talked about in between but that's that's fun enough uh, okay. I enjoy it and I'm gonna leave it there there's so many other podcasts I listen to but I'll, I'll leave it at that because okay. it could be going on forever all right, well, we'll jump into mine, and we, we talk about how podcasts have kind of taken over as far as their entertainment goes. I can remember when I first got my iPod, the only thing I would do at work was I would listen to music at work, but now I never listen to music. It's all podcast all day, and I'm finding that a lot of my news that I get, I'm getting from listening to the podcast. Like We mentioned last year that both of us were into Greg Proops's Smartest Man in the World. I'm still listening to that, and I'm finding I'm still quite enthralled about that, and I would know nothing about baseball if it wasn't for Greg Proops. So I, I give him props for that. He can make something as boring as a baseball game entertaining. I'm still listening to the Adam Carolla show quite regularly. And that is a difficult one because he does a daily podcast. So every weekday there's an episode and it kind of feels like you're listening to morning radio with his 
his show. He has like a news break. And that's something that if I miss a couple of days, I'm not overly fussed if I miss it because I, I treat it like morning radio. But some of the new ones that I've picked up this year that I'm really enjoying, we mentioned Gilbert Gottfried. Another one that I've, I got quite into and I went back and listened to quite a lot of the back issues was Cashing In with TJ Miller. And I've mentioned my love of TJ Miller on the show before, but the premise of this is it's comedian Cash Levy hosting a podcast and he's not famous enough in Hollywood to get any guests. So he ends up getting TJ as his guest every week (laughs) to interview TJ. And yeah, they, they, they come up with a lot of stupid catchphrases, puns, just the sort of stuff that you'd expect from idiot comedians that are obviously friends in real life to just sit down and and riff on things and yeah again I found that I got into that quite well and and went back and started from scratch and listened to all of those so that's a couple of new ones that I really love but I will come back to my number one alright one more honourable mention I just looked at my note (laughs) going oh that should be it it's one called Serial and it's actually produced by This American Life but it's a new take on long film journalism in a way It's it's a journalist from PR, I guess she's gone off and she's investigating a murder that took place 15 years ago and a, a person was convicted and jailed for the crime and she's looking at that crime and the investigation that went into it she's thinking he didn't do it he's starting off with that and it's sort of like okay this is the facts and this is what I've got and she's investigating it and it's weekly we're up to about episode 8 now and you're basically getting more and more picture of this story as you go along this is the case this is what happened this is what was reported this is how the court case went this is some witness statements so she's tracking it down she's going recreating because it's like he was. she was meant to leave school at this point the boyfriend was meant to be here at this point could they do that in that time okay not quite so I have no idea how this is going to end so I'm not googling anything to see because it's it's literally up to episode eight now as we speak so it's still going i don't know how much more there is to it and if there is going to be a resolution at the end i you know it might come out it's like oh no he did do it i I don't know and it's it's fascinating at this point so i i jumped on when episode six was out so i listened to episode six because a few people were talking about it It was getting a bit of buzz on twitter and a few podcasts talking about it so i went back and listened from one through so now it's shit having to wait a week between episodes because it was really good just going fum 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 because it really felt like the audio version of an Errol Morris documentary in The Thin Blue Line check it out if you like docos it's really good so this is it's something new and different I think in forms of podcasts and what it can do but I'm definitely fascinated I hope it has a good a satisfying ending I don't know what I want it to be it's not a Hollywood movie this is a real story but I'm it's interesting and the only thing I don't like about it is, is like back by NPR now NPR I think is similar to like the ABC here in Australia it's it's, it's was it a non-profit radio? Is that what it's something for? something like that? So there's there's got to be the, the amount of subscribers they have. They must be earning an income and things like yeah. that. And they do have sponsors because I'll talk about it. And she does that. She has sponsors on this podcast, and then she's asking for people to fund it, okay. not through Patreon and that sort of thing. But it's like, hang on, you've got you're yeah. one of the most popular podcasts out there now, and you've got sponsors. That's I have problems when they sort of ask that way. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. So it's a bit... Anyway, but it's freak. It's out there. It's, get it. It's, okay. it's, uh, it's They're an hour-long episodes. It's worth catching up if you can. It's, it's so good. I'll pay that. So that could be my number one, depending on how it finishes up. <laughs> but my number one, I'm sort of cheating here, because it is... One of your own? No. <laughs> it's The Bad Movie Fiends. Oh, okay. Slash... No Quarters podcast slash No Pretense of Cool. Actually, I was going to mention No Pretense of Cool, but I forgot. But, yeah. Yeah, so basically it's the same guys. Yep. <laughs> they do three podcasts. So Bad Movie Fiends is the first one. I'm pretty sure we mentioned it before, oh, but definitely. just a small recap. It's three 
now four guys who watch bad movies and they want to enjoy these bad movies. It's not like going out there and, you know, poking a puppy. It's, it's they, they want to enjoy these films. So they love films like Robot Jocks and Pacific Rim and those sort of things. And that's how they want to rate their films on that sort of level of good, bad. Yep. And they don't want to watch a bad movie. And just their banter between themselves is hilarious. They, they're obviously very good friends who get along well. They don't talk over each other in any way. They just give each other the right amount of room. And they're just damn funny. They're not comedians or anything like that. They're just... No, they're, they're not professional of any kind. They're just a group <coughs> of friends that watch movies and talk about movies. Yeah, and... And we have to talk about video games as well in, yeah, in so, our quarters. So they did a spin-off thing. They happen to be computer game fans as well. So they did a podcast. Because bad movie is once a week and no quarters is once a month and they talk about computer games and they get over two hours long generally they're no quarters podcast yep. yet I don't care like other podcasts I look at the length going oh I can't listen to Nerdist for two hours that'll kill me or but no quarters, I don't care. Some they push three hours, I think, on an yeah. episode, yep. and it's fine. Like, yeah, admittedly, the last forty-five minutes did wane a little, but I didn't care. And they're just entertaining. So, I mean, they're also very much in our sort of age bracket. And they're into the same sort of things as us, so it's easy to listen to them because it's sort of like these people we could hang around with. We would be having these conversations on the couch with these guys, and yep. they sort of get that feeling. And and this year, two of the guys from the podcast started another podcast called No Pretense of Cool, which is them talking. about about things they like. Yeah, so I think it was more the fact that it was stuff that didn't fit into the video games and movies that they talk about on the other episodes. So it's now they just pick a topic and riff and on that topic for as how long as they want. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's the same riff, so I, I like the way they talk and just talk about whatever you want. I'm going to listen. So, so I, I'm going to say that's my number one for just cheating by putting three, three. into it. Yeah. No, I agree with that. That's good. All right. Well, my number one is, again, is another new, newish podcast. I think they're only about 70 episodes in and they release two two a week at this stage, I think. And that's Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social, which came about as a spin-off from the Pendulette Penn Sunday School podcast, whereas Matt Donnelly is one of Penn's friends that turns up quite regularly on the Sunday School podcast. And he is an improv comic, and together with another improv comic who's his best friend, who is Paul Mattingly. Again, it's just two friends getting together talking about crap. Matt is very much a, a sports guy, and Paul is very much a, a nerdy comics video game movie guy. And just the combination of the two bouncing off each other and they, they do a segment called jock versus nerd whereas they ask each other like trivia questions about nerdy and jock type things and neither of them really know the other <laughs> guy's world but it, just something about them it's just the the dynamic of listening to two guys that are obviously good friends talking to each other and just bouncing off each other and the fact that they're improv comics i think means that they can quite easily riff and be quite funny about it too so there, there's been been a few episodes just lately that I've had to pause the, the podcast, take my earphones out and have a bit of a giggle at work while I, <laughs> while I was listening to them. But yeah, I highly recommend that as well. So. Well, I suppose, yeah, speaking of that, the one that does make me crack up the most is Harmontown. Which yeah. We, we, I still love, I mean, it was... I don't believe it wasn't my favourite last year. What day of Proops is my favourite? I think so. I still listen to Proops. Even though you went to a live recording of Harmontown last year as well. I know, but I think I felt better because I listened to Proops because I yep. learned about feminism and all these sort of things. But Harmontown, I like much more than Proops this year. Mm. It's it's still a fantastic podcast. And I think Dan Harmon is a freaking genius. Like, he's a psychotic genius. 
yes. and self-destructive, but he is a very smart person. He understands people. Like, I wouldn't say he's, like, autistic, but he's got an autism about him. Or more of megalomania about him or something. But he he understands how to just talk to an audience. Like, yep. he breaks things down. He can talk. He can communicate. He can do all these things. But it's his own little world. That he seems to know and work it out, but the rest of the world doesn't fit into that. No. But, um, what and I his really, supporting cast are phenomenal. Like yeah, what Davis. I really love of, of Harmontown is the fact that Spencer Crittenden just came on as a guy in the audience that when they said, can anyone DM a game of Dungeons and Dragons, he came up. And now he's pretty much second billing as star of the show. Well, they did a documentary which has just started airing around the festival based on they did a tour of Harmontown and from all reports Spencer is the star of the show yeah which was I think I've said that to you when they were started recording he will become the breakout star yeah. because he's the story Dan Harmon's already the thing yeah. in this story and they're going on a tour and they've got this guy out of nowhere who's quit his job at the Apple store as a storeman and gone on a tour and he becomes this character and he's definitely a lot more confident now on stage oh, definitely. doing what he does but you've got Jeff Davis and Kamal Nanjani who's my TJ Miller basically Basically, like I'm, he's just hilarious. Yep. And I mean, he's got two podcasts, like Indoor Kids, which I still listen to every now and then. And he also does one called The X-Files Files, which is him going through every episode of The X-Files because it's his favourite show. And I don't even care about the show that much and I'm not re-watching <laughs> it or anything and I haven't watched half, hardly any of it. Yet just hearing him and his guests talk about The X-Files is good enough for me and I'm, it's quite interesting in that yeah. way. It's quite fun. And again, he's got the clout. A lot of it, he's got comedian friends coming in talking about it, but he has got the clout to get people involved in the show and things like that to come and talk about it. Not a lot of people like the guy did the music or the odd writer here and there yes all righty well that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up our top fives mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that we uh, we enjoy over the year yep so please if you are if we 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 have people downloading the show every time, but we don't get much feedback. So if you could, go to our Facebook page, which is at... <laughs> Facebook.com slash The Massive Attack Podcast. And please tell us your top fives or recommendations. Recommendations, yeah. We or did. tell us we're full of shit. I don't know. Or just tell us you're listening, just so we know that they're not just click bots that are out there. But yes. Well, that being said, that's a good place for us to wrap up this particular episode of the show. It's not going to be our last show for the year, even though we are the December issue, because we're going to do something special this December. And coming up a little bit closer to Christmas, we're going to give you a bit of a treat. And we are going to count down the our 12, 12 days, days of, of Christmas, Christmas specials. specials. So yes, watch for that very soon. Probably coming around the 12th or 13th so of December. So we will be the Corolla of your podcast. Yes. Downloading, hopefully, if all goes to plan, you'll be getting a episode every day. A mini episode. Yeah, not a full hour. No, 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 no. No. Just a yeah, little episode every day leading up to Christmas. Just to let you know what some of our favourite Christmas... No, not favourite. We're just going to watch 12... <laughs> we're going to watch 12 random Christmas specials. Yes. And report back on them. All right. Well, so yes, so keep your ears, eyes and ears open for those because we will be shilling those in the near future too. But that's where we're going to wrap up this week. So thank you very much, Mitch. It's been a, a pleasure recording this year. Mu- thank you. It's been fun. And yes, we'll have our little specials coming out leading up to Christmas and then we'll be back in January with our fourth annual now, what we're expecting to be good in the season. new year. So yeah, there's, there's a few things on the horizon that I'm looking forward to for movies-wise in 2015. So yes, we'll talk about that next time we meet for real. Mm-hmm. So if we, if you, for whatever reason, don't want to listen to the gold that will be the 12 Days of Christmas specials, have a good Christmas, everyone. Have a safe new year and we'll see you in 2015. God, well, I feel old. It's very very, isn't it? All right. <laughs> Thank you.